This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week I'm joined by Robert Harvey as we look back on the life of the late Tommy Doherty, who left us in Hogmanay of last year. While sometimes a controversial figure, things were never dull when the dock was around. Thomas Henderson Doherty was born on the 24th of April 1928 to Georgina and Thomas Doherty in Glasgow's Gorbals neighbourhood. At the time, the Gorbals was a slum neighbourhood with abject poverty. Doherty said, Illness and malnutrition were a constant threat to family life. From a young age, the man who would go on to be known as the Doc was aware of how desperate it was for many families in the area. It was a hard place to grow up, and to survive you had to be tough, as he reflected upon in later years. No human being should have to live in the conditions that we endured during my early childhood. If you needed a new pair of shoes, you went down the swimming baths in bare feet and just nicked a pair. I didn't think it was morally wrong. It was the thing to do. Tommy's father was a worker in an iron foundry who died of pleurisy when Tommy was only nine years old. Young Tommy had no memories or recollections of his father. His mother Georgina worked tirelessly as a charwoman to bring young Tommy and his sisters up. On some occasions, the family would be so hard up that Tommy's mother would bring home the bread that was being thrown out from the houses she was working in to feed her family. The Doherty's then moved to Shettleston, where Tommy attended St Mark's School and developed a love for Celtic, as well as playing football for Shettleston Juniors. In 1946, Doherty started his national service and played for the Army football team while serving in the Highland Light Infantry. His time in the Army was eventful, as he was on guard at the King David Hotel in Jerusalem on the day it was bombed. Fortunately for Doc, he was on the other side of the building from the bomb and survived, but several of his friends died. He would send money home to his mother, and years later, after her death, discovered that she hadn't spent a penny of it. She wanted him to enjoy the money. After he was demobbed, Celtic offered Tommy a contract and he couldn't turn down his boyhood club. Playing as a right half, Doherty was blessed with skill and was a very tough opponent to play against. He made nine appearances over two seasons and scored twice for the hoops, but he failed to keep a regular place in the team. Ultimately, he failed to displace Bobby Evans in his position, who went on to become a Celtic great. A lot of young Tommy's footballing philosophy was shaped by his coach Jimmy Hogan, whom he held in very high regard. When Preston North End showed an interest in signing him, Celtic sold Doc and he made the move to Deepdale. He later said, When I was a youngster, it was my one and only ambition to play in a green and white jersey. When I was transferred, it was one of the great disappointments of my life. Celtic, and Scottish football's loss, was very much Preston's game. The player that he replaced as right half in the Preston team was none other than Bill Shankly. North End had several Scottish players on their books throughout the 50s, 
including Davy Snedden, who would later win the Scottish League with Kilmarnock. It was at Preston that Doherty was best known as a player, where in his 11 years with the club, he won promotion to the First Division in 1951 and reached the FA Cup final in 1954. His most famous teammate was the mercurial Tom Finney, whom Doherty praised highly. Finney returned the compliment, calling the Doc one of the best passers and toughest tacklers he'd ever seen. Doherty was selected to play for Scotland 25 times and was a part of the squads which travelled to Switzerland and Sweden for the 1954 and 1958 World Cups respectively. His only goal for Scotland came at Wembley in 1955 in a home international championship match, but it was a mere consolation goal as Scotland lost 7-2 to England. While the Doc is now best remembered as a manager and an outspoken personality, the praise he received as a player should not be forgotten. In 1954, Scotland played Hungary in front of around 114,000 people at Hamden, and also in 1955 at the Nep Stadium in Budapest in front of 102,000. And on both occasions, it was the Doc's job to mark the legendary Ferenc Puskas. The Real Madrid man was full of praise for the Scot marking him, calling him a fabulous defender, one of the most difficult I ever faced. In 1956, the Doc played as a guest for Third Lanark alongside Ivor Broadus and Bobby Mitchell in the Glasgow Merchants Charity Cup final. The rules of the competition allowed for each side to name three guests in the squad in order to attract bigger crowds. With around 14,000 at Hampden Park, the High High beat Partick Thistle 4-2 to take the trophy back home to Cathkin Park, a stone's throw away from Hampden. In 1958, Tommy was signed by Arsenal and played for three years at Highbury. He finished his playing career at Stamford Bridge with Chelsea, who hired him as a player coach in 1961. He became their manager in 1962. At that time, Chelsea were in danger of relegation from the first division with an ageing squad and the dock was unable to keep the Blues in the top division. Going down to the second division in 1962, Doherty released a lot of older players in the squad and he brought in a number of young, exciting players such as Peter Benetti, Barry Bridges, Terry Venables and Bobby Tamblin. His team would become known as Doherty's Diamonds. The new Diamonds bounced back to the first division at the first time of asking and finished fifth the following season. But it was not just the players that the Doc had changed. He also changed Chelsea's kits. It was blue shirts white shorts and blue socks, but he changed it to be blue shirts and shorts with white socks. To this day, Chelsea still play in the same home colours. This new exciting Chelsea team found more success, winning the League Cup against Leicester City in 1965 thanks to goals in the first leg at Stamford Bridge from Bobby Tambling, 
Terry Venables and Eddie McCready. A goalless draw in the second leg away at Filbert Streets was enough to give the Dock his first major honour as a manager. In the FA Cup, he was unable to get past the eventual winners, Liverpool, in the semi-finals of that competition. A few years later, Doherty reached the FA Cup final in 1967, but his Chelsea side were beaten by Tottenham Hotspur, whose team featured players such as Dave Mackay and Jimmy Greaves. Ultimately, Doherty had a falling out with Chelsea's new chairman, Charles Pratt, and he resigned in October 1967. The relationship between Doherty and Pratt was so bad that the Doc once told Pratt, Chairman, when I want your advice, I'll give it to you. Ironically, Dave Sexton, who took over Doherty's team upon his departure, was able to win both the FA Cup and the European Cup Winners Cup with the vast majority of the same players, including Peter Osgood, John Hollins, Ron Chopper-Harris and Charlie Cook. Less than a week after resigning at Chelsea, the dock was back in management at second division strugglers Rotherham United. He promised their chairman that he would take the Millers out of the second division and true to his word, he did. However, he took them into the third division as they were relegated. A short spell at QPR followed where he lasted a month before being sacked over a disagreement about transfer policies. Aston Villa were the next club on the dock's CV, but after 13 months, chairman Doug Ellis was unimpressed with Villa being at the foot of the second division and sacked Doherty. After this, he managed Porto for a short stint, but was unable to stop the two Lisbon clubs of Sporting and Benfica from dominating. It looked like things were on the way down for Doherty. His stock was certainly nowhere near as high as it had been in the mid-60s when he had his diamonds. All of a sudden, in 1971, Bobby Brown left his post as the Scotland manager and the SFA turned to the dock, albeit at first as temporary boss. It was with Scotland that Doherty would revitalise his management career and he left his post at Hull City as Terry Neal's assistant to head back to Glasgow. The dock had an impact on the national team's results, leaving them looking like sure certs to qualify for the 1974 World Cup in West Germany. The dock had a good squad of players, but sometimes this can come with good problems. He joked that his first training session as Scotland boss had to be stopped after half an hour due to nobody being able to get the ball off Jimmy Johnston. Players such as Kenny Dalgleish, Asa Hartford and Martin Buchan were given their international debuts under Doherty and the team was playing some good football. Everything was going well and after the disappointment of failing to qualify for a World Cup since 1958, it looked like Scotland were about to get back to a tournament. Then came the spanner in the works when Manchester United sacked Frank O'Farrell and there was one man they desperately wanted to talk to about their big vacancy. The dock was offered a wage of £15,000 a year and felt he could not turn down such a significant amount of money. 
He later lamented his decision and the manner of his Scotland departure, saying, One of my biggest regrets was leaving the Scotland job when I did. I was stupid. I should have stayed. I should have seen my job out with Scotland at the World Cup and then, if United were interested, I could have gone then. But I was concerned I might miss the chance. In total, Doherty managed Scotland for 12 games, of which he won 7. His last match in charge was a 2-0 win against Denmark at Hampden, where Kenny Dalglish and Peter Lorimer got the goals. After his departure, the SFA hired Willie Ormond from St Johnston, and he oversaw the famous 2-1 win over Czechoslovakia that took Scotland to the World Cup in West Germany. When Tommy Doherty was unveiled to the media as Manchester United's new manager, he stood in the middle of the Old Trafford centre circle humming the melody of the tune, You Were Made For Me. After settling in, the doc found a big job on his hands due to United's ageing squad. United had been struggling to move on from the days of Matt Busby's management and a firebrand like Tommy Doherty seemed like the perfect candidate to put his own brand on the team while taking no nonsense. United also had a contingent of Scottish talent that included Alex Forsyth, Dennis Law, Martin Buchan, George Graham, John Fitzpatrick, Willie Morgan and Pat Crerand. United avoided relegation by finishing 18th, and in his time in charge, the dock broke up the holy trinity of George Best, Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law by moving them on to South Africa's Jewish Guild, Preston North End and Manchester City, respectively. Under previous managers, this would have been unimaginable, but the dock was determined to get results by any means possible. While he was able to keep United up in 1973, he was unable to repeat the feat in 1974 as Manchester City inflicted a derby defeat on them with Dennis Law's backheeled goal, all but sending them down. The dock was allowed to rebuild though, and they came back up immediately the following season, and in 1976 reached the FA Cup final. United were hot favourites to lift the cup and banish their woes against Laurie McMenemy's 2nd Division Southampton who were unfancied by many. United started the match well, but passed up several chances to get goals, and Southampton started to grow into the game the longer it went on. The breakthrough for the Saints came in the 83rd minute, when one of Doherty's old players, Jim McCalliog, played a deft pass to Bobby Stokes, who fired past Alex Stepney to win the match 1-0, and the cup went to the Dell instead of Old Trafford. Undeterred by this, the Dock took United to the 1977 FA Cup final and the stakes were much bigger this time around. Bill Shankly's Liverpool were the opposition, who had won the first division title and were on course for a treble with the FA Cup and European Cup. This was all the motivation the Dock would have required to get his players fired up in addition to their humiliation against Southampton the previous year. United's lineup contained three Scots in Arthur Alberston, Martin Buchan and Lou McCarry, 
as well as future League Cup winning Wraith Rovers manager Jimmy Nicholl. The game came to life in the 51st minute as United Stuart Pearson got on the end of a long ball and put the ball past Ray Clemens. Liverpool equalised two minutes later when Jimmy Case gave Alex Stepney no chance of saving his volley that went into the top right corner of the United goal. Two minutes after that, United were ahead again after a shot from Lou McCarry rebounded off Jimmy Greenhoff's chest and into the Liverpool net. The Docks team held on for the rest of the match and lifted the famous old trophy in the bright London sunshine. As United's smiling players lifted the cup and placed it on their delighted manager's head like a hat, they must have been thinking that this would be the first of a great many successes that Tommy Doherty would lead them towards. A matter of days later, the dock was out the door. The day after the cup final, news had broken of his affair with the wife of United's club physio Laurie Brown. Doherty and Mary Brown's story had been sold to the News of the World and a fortnight after his cup win, he had been dismissed by United. He later said of the affair that he was the only manager ever to be sacked for falling in love. Doherty and Brown would eventually marry and remain together until his death in 2020. Even though he left the club under a cloud, he always thought fondly of Manchester United, later joking on the after-dinner circuit, in football, when one door shuts, another will slam in your face. He also played up to United fans by mocking rivals Manchester City, saying, There are three types of Oxo Cube. Light brown for chicken stock, dark brown for beef stock, and light blue for laughing stock. After leaving Old Trafford, the dock found himself at a number of clubs, including Derby County, QPR, Preston North End, Sydney Olympics in Australia, South Melbourne, Wolverhampton Wanderers and Altingham, which proved to be his last managerial job. He was welcomed back to Manchester United as a matchday pundit for a time before falling out with Alec Ferguson, who banned him from Old Trafford. At one point, the dock had asked United for match tickets, and being a former manager, the tickets arrived, along with an invoice for the cost. It is fair to say Doherty never got on well with Fergie. In the end, Doherty's after-dinner speaker career proved a perfect way for him to spend his retirement. And with all his stories and a sharp tongue, he was always in demand. Almost no subject was off limits for his material. And he even spoke about a number of clubs who had sacked him. He said of one particular club after they sacked him, They offered me a handshake of £10,000 to settle amicably. I told them that they would have to be a lot more amicable than that. In 2013, he was inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame alongside his former Manchester United captain, Martin Buchan. Tommy Doherty died on the 31st of December 2020 in Marple, 
near Stockport. Prior to his death, he was the oldest surviving Celtic player. Having been born into abject poverty, he emerged as a fighter and someone who was determined to do things on his own terms, for better or for worse. A top professional in his days as a player, things were never boring around him in his managerial career. If you had to sum up the doc, you could do worse than go by the words of Sir Matt Busby, who said, Tommy Doherty didn't make the news. He was the news. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr and Richard McBrearty. Additional material from the Times of London, the Celtic Blog, the Evening Times and the Doc, Hallowed Be Thy Game by Tommy Doherty. <laughs>